Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. I am uh, trying to be as quiet as possible because it is 2-something in the morning here in Jacksonville. Just got back from the arena. A lot of stragglers at the arena, got to say. Uh, just all over Jacksonville in general. I saw a lot of people just wandering about. I don't know if there was like an Uber problem, uh, but I just saw people, like literally people were walking up the highway. Um, people just on like rando corners. There's not many streetlights in Jacksonville for whatever reason. And so I found myself nearly hitting like four people on the way home. It was a little bit wild, but yeah. It, UFC 261, one of the craziest sporting events I've ever been to, uh, flat out. It really, uh, it was an amazing night. Amazing night, crazy night, surreal night, all that stuff wrapped into one. Um, I don't even know where to start. I, I, you know, you get there and there's a ton of people outside and I, you know, didn't have a lot of nerves as far as like, you know, this seems like a bad idea. I missed it, <laughs> you know. I think that's just uh, one of the things that came uh, came out today. It was just I, I missed having that atmosphere, and it didn't disappoint. It was so crazy having that many people in a building again together, all there to watch one thing. I've never seen that many people there for the first prelim of a fight ever, <laughs> Uh, not even close. And people were there for the first fight, which was a great fight. And I would say the arena was probably 75% full. Never happens. Six o'clock? Crazy. Um, you know, it's celebrities were, were, were nuts, nutty, a ton of athletes there. Chad Ochocinco was, you know, 15 feet down to my left because he was there uh, betting on Masvidal, covering the fight for Bleacher Report. So that was cool. Tom Brady was there. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were there. I saw my dog Minshew with his glorious mullet. Uh, biggest celebrity moment of the night was uh, was with Jake Paul because Jake Paul, of course, was going to be there. I haven't even followed social media or anything, so there may be more stuff. I've been so like keyed in, you know, the internet kind of sucks. So I wasn't like able to follow Twitter or anything like that. Um, but it was, uh, it was pretty wild, man. It was wild. Like, you know, you see him walk in, he gets booed immediately. He loves it. 
then everybody's just shouting F Jake Paul, F Jake Paul. But they are saying the F word and it is loud. And he loves it. He gets up, he's giving middle fingers to the crowd. And uh and then uh after so that happens I think during the Olivera no, it wasn't during the Olivera, it was during the Brendan Allen fight, I think is when he first came in. Um and then the pay per view is about to start and DC goes over there. Like you can just see a ruckus is about to start. Um and it's Daniel Cormier going over there to confront him. Now I know there's some video that I haven't seen what the video is, but uh it looked like it got pretty heated. Uh so much to the effect of it almost looks staged and that uh we're getting set up for Daniel Cormier versus Jake Paul in the boxing ring. It almost seems like it's setting up too perfectly for that. DC wants a little bit of that cheddar, but if it wasn't, it was uh, it was it was still a cool moment nonetheless. Uh, This guy, it's unbelievable how much he has the combat world feeding out of the palm of his hand because he loves nothing more than every time the crowd shouting uh, "F Jake Paul." He's getting up. He's like he's like the perfect wrestling heel right now. And anytime a fight was going badly. Or anytime a fight had a lull, you know, instead of the, you know, woo, that everybody usually does, everybody was chanting F Jake Paul. So that was that was a crazy uh, event of it. And, man, you know, so the good pre-prelims, middle prelims were kind of okay. The main card was bananas. Uh, just, just absolutely freaking bananas you know first you have james crute taking on anthony lionheart smith and it looked like it was uh you know it really started off being a good fight between the two lionheart ends up kicking him and you know staggering crew and crew ends up turning it into a, a takedown so he looks okay even though you know that he took a bad shot and i should say i should set up where i was for everybody i was literally uh, I, I, if I had to estimate 15, 20 feet from the octagon, like really good seats, really good seats. Shout out to the UFC um, who took everything, uh, care of everything top notch this week. They really, really did. And um, yeah, just gave me great seats and, you know, right in the in the blue corner. So essentially right where Masvidal, Nama Yunus, uh, Andrade and Chris Weidman would all we're all coming out of and you know i was in the corner of james crute and you can see him uh you know he really was having a hard time getting back to the to the corner um you know so much so you're like man i, I think it was even i think even like uh i saw justin gaethje like pop out and like yell to to stop the fight or something like that because he just he looked in, in a really bad way and he tried to keep it going but he couldn't even stand up on it. So that looked bad. And you think, oh, man, that's going to be the, the craziest thing I think of uh, and see that night. And uh, and it's not because we're going to see Chris Wyman snap his leg in half, which I, I don't even. I, it was it. it, it you, you want to talk about the things that make you uncomfortable and the things that you're upset with or anything like that with like oh people are like oh you know because i know people are watching what's happening out and i you know they're saying oh they're they're rolling their eyes at being in an event like this and that it's bad because of coronavirus and i get it um 
but all that being said, had the time of my life. Um, and the thing that I really, really was made uncomfortable by, by all of it was Chris Wyman getting his leg shattered because, you know, it's just, it's just so, tr- it's so tragic in a sport. You know, you do something as simple of, as kicking something, which you do all the time and you just hit it on the wrong spot and dunzo, your, your legs turn to dust and just, you couldn't even get around the twisted irony, sick sense of humor that the sports gods could have that a guy who already has one of his most, he's known for two, his most glorious moment is being the man to knock out Anderson Silva. And his most infamous moment is being the guy who Anderson Silva broke his leg against and really never was the same. And how crazy is it that Uriah Hall, who actually even mentioned this, that, you know, that he just last beat Anderson Silva in his final fight. And that happens to Weidman. It's just it's too wacky to even feel like that actually just happened. So, you know, this is all happening like 15 feet in front of me that they throw the replay up on the jump because I saw it live. Like, and I was like, it, it, it's almost like you see a, sometimes you see a car wreck and you're not quite clear on, uh, on what just happened. But, um, then they show it up on the jumbo shot and you're just like, you're mortified. Cause then at the same time, they're bringing him out and putting him on the stretcher to carry him out. And you know what point of his career that he's at already. And you, yeah, you get feelings like, man, he's done. He's he's not only just done because of what just happened, but that his career is done. Um, and that's just so tremendously heartbreaking. And, you know, it, it really just put a, a damper on a, a night that was pretty crazy and wild, but it just felt like it hit this major grind and stop right there when it happened. Because everything up to that point... Really felt awesome, felt like hijinks, felt like shenanigans. You know, I got Minshew's mullet over to the to the right. I got Tebow walking by my side. I got right across the cage. I see that that cheat Tom Brady. Uh, people are chanting F Jake Paul. We're all having silly sauce fun. It's, having, it's a great time. And then that happens to Chris Wyman, and you're just like, Jesus. So they couldn't get to the title fights fast enough. It felt like... You know, as soon as he was gone, they uh, they hit the they hit the uh, the package for Andrade versus uh, Valentina Shevchenko, and you know this one was the title fight that had the least amount of drama to it, simply because uh, Valentina she's like a surgeon, dude. She's like she goes in there and she absolutely ragdolls jessica it's not even close she's got her t- i think she took her down seven times gets her in a crucifix uh in the second round bludgeons her face with an elbow and that's all she wrote this uh this woman's a savage um i don't really know what challenges are out there for her right now everybody goes to the uh, the automatic thing is we got to see her and amanda fight again and i get it you know um both of those women are without challengers and they have two fights and they both have nods to Amanda 
One of them was very, very thin. And both of them looked like they they got nobody else who could touch them otherwise. So, obviously, that's 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 natural that everybody wants to see that happen again. But also, you, this is going to happen. You know, nobody nobody pins up. Nobody feels like uh, I don't know. Let's make it. It's kind of tough to do with their divisions. Particularly, nobody would. You know, nobody f- was dying for Mighty Mouse to go up. I guess, you know, after a certain time that people were finally like, hey, Mighty Mouse, maybe move up. But with Valentina, they just got to go find it. I don't know what they do. I, you know, go find a new pool, have her fight Rose. Who knows? I, I don't know what the hell they do for her. But um, she just doesn't look like she's slowing down. And she is, you know, you hear in this post-fight press conference, she's just a different kind of animal when it comes to, like, her cold assassin ways and everything like that. So, I don't know, man. She is, uh, she is, she is one absolute monster for sure, an absolute monster. So good for her. Uh, get to the next main event. Uh, you have the next championship fight. You have Rose Namajunas taking on Zhang Weili. Rose, outside of Masvidal, Rose was getting the biggest pop every time she was thrown up on the screen. Everybody loves seeing Rose Namajunas. Everybody loves Thug Rose. Um, and this was, uh, this was, this was one I had, I was way off on because I thought this was going to be a back and forth. Uh, I thought that this was going to be an affair where these women were going five rounds, no shot. This was going to end quickly. I thought we were going to get Zhang Weili versus Joanna two, Joanna Yunjechik two, essentially. And, you know, Rose dealt with a lot of stuff in her last title reign where we were wondering, you know, are you going to see Thug Rose again, the woman who dethroned the unbeatable Joanna Yunjechik and was Thug Rose and, you know, would pray to herself. And you could see before the fight started that she was doing some similar stuff to that where she's saying, I'm the best, I'm the best. I'm the, you could just see it. I was, you know, right there in front of her. You could see she kept saying something while Bruce Buffer's like introducing her and, and is being all intense and she hits uh Zhang Weili with this just picturesque head kick uh that folds her up and she gets on top of her ends up hitting with a couple shots Zhang Weili pops up immediately uh I should say she pops up qu- fairly quickly after that and is very upset with it uh, that 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 uh, I think it was Keith Peterson was the referee if I if I remember night's a bit of a blur so excuse me I wasn't taking notes my internet sucked I'm kind of just riffing all this off the top of my head yeah and and so she gets a couple shots on her and then all of a sudden is uh and then the fight stopped and John Willie gets upset but the thing that I, I get to that her being upset with the stoppage but the thing is is that you kind of pulled Rose off of you. It's not like, you know, Rose was missing or getting tired. Like, she's fresh and, and full of fury, and she's on top of you after just head-kicking you. In the, so maybe a little bit early. Maybe it was a little bit premature. She was in a bad position. Um, but I don't have a problem with the stoppage, at least live. It, it just it didn't feel that way. And a really cool moment. You could just the, – the, the emotion for her was absolutely overwhelming. Yeah, it really, really was. 
So Rose gets herself an awesome win. Then we get to the main event, of course, Kamar Usman, Jorge Masvidal. The reason I drove up here was to see if Jorge Masvidal would end up winning his championship, have his storybook ending. Uh, I shouldn't say ending, but should have the, 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 the storybook full circle moment for a guy who's been in the sport for all the years that he has been, represents Miami, um, you know, and big fan of both of these guys. But, you know, I, I have a certain affinity for George just because of him being the guy who always is introduced from Miami, uh, has been that way for his entire career, has had an incredible storybook resurgence. Uh, I bought into the idea that he uh, was coming in off of the short notice. I thought that he looked in really, really good shape this week too. Um, so, Because a lot of guys will lip service that, you know, that I wasn't in the shape that I could be in. I thought it really looked on the scales. Kamara always looks in great shape. He's in phenomenal shape and is turning out to be an unstoppable monster, as, as it turns out. Because I did predict on the show, I predicted second-round TKO. I just happened to pick it for the uh, for the wrong individual. So in my book, you really can't get more more wrong on a prediction when you pick the result, but you pick it for the wrong guy. And, you know, first of all, big Masvidal crowd. A lot of people came up from Miami to come see it. You saw a lot of I saw a lot of UM garb. I saw a lot of heat jerseys. Saw a lot of Cuban flags. Um, he was the guy. He was the show. He was what everybody was there to see for sure. Um, and you know the crowd. The crowd was just like, and every fighter talked about it afterwards too. You know all this idea that oh the fights uh, they're better without the crowd. They're better, you know, in a in a, in a an apex where you can. They're not. They're better with the crowd. You know, I watched nearly every UFC card with no fans. I've I've been to shows locally with no fans. Um, it's better with the fans. I don't. I, you know, that's it. If you have another opinion on this, I'll hear you out, and then I'll tell you your opinion is wrong. But you know, the the crowd is used up. And the first round happens, you know, guys are John, Kamara walks right across the cage. I actually, you know, it's, and it's so funny, I had such a bad read on this fight too. And I don't know if it's just a thing where you watch. So I don't know what you guys were feeling watching it at home. But I felt like, uh, I felt like Kamara was going to, you know, I thought it was all playing out for where I thought that if George was going to win this fight and he was going to find that opening, I thought that you needed an aggressive Kamara Usman, a guy who was going to find openings, a guy who was going to uh, to let it fly a little bit, and he kind of did. Um, but the problem was George was just a little too careless, and you could see, like you know, it was a funny line that I, I hadn't actually even heard until fight week, when because I didn't watch Countdown, I didn't hear the line where he says that he just doesn't hit hard at all, which is going to be an awesome freezing cold takes, by the way. Um, but Jorge, you know, you could just see just had no respect at all for what Usman was doing striking-wise. And he just figured if I take, you know, basically protect the takedown, I can, you know, kind of head move a la uh, prime Anderson Silva out of the way of Kamaru's strikes. And kind of toyed with it. You know, he took a couple of shots in the first round, nothing major. I actually thought that, you know, Kamaro getting the takedown. George did more damage from the bottom, at least from my vantage point. Got up, had the flurry at the end. I thought that he took the first round. Um, 
But unfortunately for him, I think was setting up a guy who was only obsessed with stopping the takedown, and that just opened it up for Kamaru Usman to unleash what could only be described as the right hand from hell because he hit him with just a perfect flush shot straight across the bow. You could just it, it, you could see. It, I'm telling you, being there live, it was almost like you saw George fall in slow motion with how perfect the shot was. And that's all she wrote, man. You know, he got a couple other shots in there, uh, jumps onto the cage. Super cool moment for for Kamaru. He gets to, you know, kisses his daughter in the in the in the octagon. He gives his dad, who's out of jail, gives him the belt, wraps it around his waist, and everything that he said he was going to do to George, uh, he did. He did. You know, he went out there and he said that he was gonna uh, he was gonna lay him out, and he did. Nobody's done that to Jorge Masvidal. So, what can you say about this guy, man? He is. He uh, he proved a ton of people wrong. Well, look, a lot of people thought that he was going to win the fight. I didn't. I picked I picked Jorge to win the fight. Uh, but a lot of you know he's the big betting favorite. But none of us thought that fight was going to go that way. And if you did, I your name must be Trevor Whitman or Francis Ngannou. I, I don't know who else is in that camp uh, who who thought he was going to do that to Jorge Masvidal. But he has that landmark moment, man, and and it's going to go down as a very memorable win for his career not only because jorge is hugely popular uh he did it in this iconic fight card of having the fans back in the midst of a pandemic it's interesting how this legacy thing is stacking up for him because you think going out of the gilbert burns fight people are kind of starting to talk about i remember having him on before the gilbert burns fight i'm like "Do do you care about the legacy you know he's so humble doesn't talk but doesn't like talking about it you know it's a bit like almost like jimmy butler in that regard where he's like uh you know jimmy doesn't like getting all these accolades uh because he knows it's so flimsy and kamaro's a little bit like that although he did say he wanted to be number one pound for pound uh which you know listen habib got the uh you know people asked habib got the request and people gave it to him he's retired maybe yeah kamaro is uh up there for sure I don't even know who they have up there right now, to be honest with you. I don't really care about UFC pound for pound list. If I'm honest, I don't care about them. Uh, but from uh, from this standpoint, he uh, he doesn't think about it too much. But you look at what his resume is, and you look at all the top contenders. There's no contender in that division who he hasn't beat. Now he's beaten Masvidal twice. The boss wants him to go fight Colby Covington, which I got to be honest with you. I think Colby needs to go win a fight, to be honest, if I'm honest. Um, I thought Masvidal deserved the rematch because he took the fight on six days notice, and I thought that his original fight kind of got screwed. So I was okay with him getting another fight. With Colby, Colby's done nothing since losing to, to to Usman. Just been sitting idly by. You know? And he's had opportunities to fight Leon Edwards, take this fight, do something like that. Never happens. Oh he beat Tyron Woodley, right? Like he came back and he beat Tyron Woodley. Uh a wash Tyron Woodley at that. So I don't know, man. I just think that from my standpoint, uh 
I get why they want to do the Colby thing. I think it'll do fine business because they hate each other's guts. And that'll always sell. You know, but I got to be honest with you. I think Kamara Usman deserves some kind of like a, a bonus or a super fight because it's a good point that was made today at the press conference that he's been more active than even his challengers have been. And I think that, you know, you have Nick Diaz in the building tonight. I thought for sure that he was there and they were going to announce that he was going to fight Kamara Usman. Otherwise, why are you there? You're in the weight class. What's what's Nick Diaz doing there? You know, have have him come back and fight Kamara. That seems like the natural thing to do. You know, you're going to have Nick Diaz come back and have a contender fight? No. He's coming back for a super fight. Let him fight for the belt. You did it with GSP. Yeah, he doesn't have the legacy and championship legacy of GSP, but let's not act like you're above this. Like you, you like you wouldn't give a guy off the shelf like Nick Diaz. Don't forget, too, Nick Diaz is kind of owed one from the whole standpoint of he got ostracized for smoking the weed and all that type of stuff, had USADA take his career away. He's owed one, too. So I feel like you give Kamara the fight because he's owed a super fight. You give Nick Diaz the fight because he's owed it from the weed ban. Let them fight each other. Yeah, I think Kamara that will easily win that fight. But I also think it's a cool tie-in because of uh, the the infamous uh, GSP Nick Diaz fight and 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 uh, rivalry that went on between those two. I think it's a cool bridging of the eras, if you will, which I think is an important thing with Kamara because if we are ever gonna give him to get him to the point where people give him his props and put him in the class of GSP. I think this would be an important fight to do it. Yeah, that's my thought on Kamara. You know, I think it would be uh, really cool on having him uh, get that legacy fight with, uh, not legacy fight, but super fight with Nate Diaz, uh, Nick Diaz. Um, and then if Nate ends up being Leon Edwards, then maybe that parlays into something later on. That's another storyline to go with. Be remiss if I, uh, I didn't talk a little bit about the man who I was up here to, to cover uh jorge masvidal and you know what this means for him you know people will ask is this the last chance he's ever going to have it a belt um if things stay status quo probably uh if colby were to become champion then i think there's definitely a possibility that they could do that but with kamar usman reigning on the throne right now that'd be hard to think about it because he's not going to go up to 185 uh, especially after he just got flatlined by a 170-er. Um, 155, he's always said he's not going to go back there. Wasn't as good of a fighter there. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what happens next for, for Jorge. I think that uh, the man we mentioned, actually, Nick Diaz, if they don't go the route of fighting Kamara, let's say Dana White says, nah, too too hard a fight for you to come back. Uh, I could I could see them doing the uh, the Nick Diaz Jorge Masvidal fight. You know, Nick was laying the breadcrumbs for that. Really, the last interview that he did, I think, was with Helwani, and that seemed where he was uh, leaning towards. So that's a possibility. Um, if Connor ends up losing to Dustin Poirier, maybe that's a fight they could do. So I still think there are fun fights out for Jorge Masvidal, but his ultimate goal of becoming champion. It's uh it, it's gonna be tough with Kamaro on the throne because uh he's already lost twice to him and he lost very convincingly to him. Um 
you know, I had some people hit me, oh, you know, we should have known that this, uh, you know, he's, he's a bum, he's a one-hit wonder. People get so crazy with the reactions of this thing. In, in reality, it's a marvel that he even got to this stage at this age that he was at. Um, and I, I commend him for that. I, I mean, I really think that he had a hell of a 2019. Um, you wonder for him and his age, was it the best situation to not fight as much in 2020 to only have one fight uh, that was essentially on short notice? You know, maybe it would have been better for him to be more active in hindsight uh, as opposed to kind of sitting things out and, you know, playing the money game with the UFC. But you get it. You know, you, you've worked your ass off. That's, you know, all this time in your career. And uh, you want to get paid handsomely when you finally feel like you deserve to be paid handsomely. But I do think that performance-wise, it uh, it definitely could have hurt him. And I definitely think that he got way overconfident tonight with uh with Kamara he played too many games with a guy who's way too talented and as Kamara says seems like he is getting better I don't know how much better Jorge can get than that 2019 uh what is that next level for him but I do know that uh he got out he he got uh he got outmatched in his own game tonight and that's always uh, a killer especially against a guy who you know you were saying doesn't hit that hard so I still think look his popularity I don't think is going to go away um I don't know if it'll be headline of pay-per-view popular right now you know maybe he'll need a little bit of uh he'll need a little bit of perfume on it but I think with even with the, with the right matchup if it is against a Nick Diaz I think that that definitely could be uh I think that that that'll definitely be a big fight and and would get a lot of people interested in it. So, um, but you know, th- I I just think that he uh, I picked him to win. I, I felt like you know, I I felt like he was going to be. I honestly felt like he was going to play the game of he was going to have Kamaru kind of bum rush him, be aggressive, and catch him with something. He just got overly cocky with the uh with the hands down welcoming the shots and i just man i just think with four ounce gloves that is a a dumb game to play but he paid the ultimate price for it and uh super classy in defeat too so i yeah i don't know what what's next for him i would i would guess it's going to probably be with uh with uh with a bigger name but i don't know that he's going to be in the title picture right now but i think his star power if he's given the right matchup a fun matchup. People will be into watching uh, Jorge fight again for sure. So that's kind of our thoughts on the whole event, man. Um, Dana White says he's coming back to uh, to Florida a bunch uh, to pay back Ron DeSantis for uh, welcoming him in during the pandemic. So as uh, has been the case, it seems like Florida is going to be the hotbed for a lot of combat sports, which I'm not going to lie, man. I really enjoyed tonight. I really, really enjoyed tonight. I know it's uh, it's getting its judgments all over the place. I get it. Have your your says or whatever. I can tell you, somebody was in the building tonight. It was a good feeling. It was uh, maybe not the most responsible thing in the world for sure, but you know, I can tell you this. It, you know, if, if anybody wants, um, you know, a point on the side of the UFC, because um, I don't have to please anybody. Like the event's over, but I, the strictest COVID protocols I've ever been through in. At covering any sport during this pandemic by far most tests um most restrictions 
uh, had us masked while we were covering the sport. Um, so they really had their bleep together when it came to that. As far as everybody who's on their staff, the fighters, the media, all that. It's not like they just ripped the Band-Aid off. They let the fans come in and let the fans enjoy it how they wanted to enjoy it. Uh, they uh, allegedly gave away masks. I saw nobody wearing masks today. But the fans had fun. The fans had fun. And from their end and their rare employees and, and the people covering the sport, they ran a tight ship. They really, really did. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, and uh, and thank you to uh, to their media staff for their hospitality this week. It was much appreciated. I had a, a blast covering this event it was one of the craziest sporting events I've ever been to, and I had a blast covering the weigh-in the day before. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to getting home. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. I will say, if you're listening to this live on 7 I think it's something probably went horribly wrong uh, equipment-wise or some technical issues. So um, if that's the case and you guys are hearing this on 790 The Ticket, then I will uh, say I will divert you to the podcast. Go to the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, and you'll get my full recap of what went down with Jorge Masvidal, Kamaru Usman, everything from my week here in Jacksonville, UFC 261, my one-man radio row up here in uh, in Duval County. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where we got with that. But no, look, the week has been fun uh, up here. It's been uh, it's been a, an interesting week, and in, in looking into how um, covering fights has been during this uh, this era. Because you know, I, I will say as a guy who is been covering events down here in South Florida, uh, you know, been to probably more than a dozen heat games this season, and you know, in, in reality, that uh, that is not as strict as it has been in the UFC world, which I kind of found surprising because, uh, as I've told a couple of people this week, you know, I, I was kind of expecting it to be a little bit more loose just because of, you know, the braggadocious nature of Dana White wanting everything to kind of move on, um, being very anti-shutdown when it came to the uh the pandemic but i would say like this uh operation has it more buttoned up than any of our teams down here do now look in reality you have to be a little bit more careful because we're interacting a lot more like when i go to a heat game for example um you get verbally screened you get your temperature taken we used to get covid sniffed by a dog um, but then you're not really that close to anybody, especially early on in the season. Um, I was like, you know, they sometimes were sticking me up in, uh, in like the 300 level. And then as the, the games have gone on, I don't know if maybe less people are covering it, but now I've been like down to the lower level, kind of where Zaslow sits, even though he has plexiglass there and, uh, and maybe like 10 feet down is like Ira Winderman or Anthony Chang or something like that. And then, um, you know, same thing for Marlins. Marlins was a little bit weird because we all had to stay like herded into these little uh, roped in areas. And then I've gone to some fights down here where it's just willy nilly. They don't care. I think I had to wear a mask. I think that was uh, the uh, the extent of it. So, yeah, the week here has been interesting from that regard is that they have like a wristband system of like you get swabbed. 
you have a red wristband on, and then if you're clear, then you get a green wristband. But they, you know, you I I was in the in the midst where I basically had to do it two consecutive days because I got here on Thursday, I got swabbed, I ended up getting cleared. I had to leave the morning show early, and then I got a green wristband to allow me into the weigh-ins, which was fun and really really fun seeing all the people there, getting to see a couple of listeners there was really cool, and then. Once uh, that's over, then I had to go get re-swabbed for fight night, and then you get a text in the morning basically saying, you're, actually, I think if you guys go to Chad Ochocinco's uh, Twitter account, you could see exactly what the text looks like, because what are they going to do, Chad Ochocinco? Are they going to ban him? Of course not. Um, and then you go back, you get a wristband, and then you kind of just chill out until uh, until you head on over for fight night. So that's been an interesting thing. Uh, as far as the the week's been concerned with some news, I found this interesting. So Dana White did this long interview with uh, Bill Simmons. of, And uh, not too much that came out of it that was that fascinating. Um, I think Bill's too much on the fringe to really get a lot. But I will say, um, you know, got out of Dana White, I guess, where things stand with the John Jones negotiations of a possible Francis and Ghana fight. It doesn't sound like they're close. Um and he uh, he put it out there like this, where it's uh, it's at the point right now with Francis and John Jones, where John, I guess he claimed that John was asking for like thirty million on the pay per view, which John took issue with on his social media, where he's like, "Oh, who did I say that say that to that they want to uh, renegotiate and things like that?" Um, I think John's argument was that he wanted a bigger you know, a bigger piece of the pay-per-view, which we don't really have a lot of clarity on in mixed martial arts. Uh, things are much more secretive when it comes to that type of stuff. I will say this though, you know, I, I you know, I know that the UFC wants to run their tight ship and they want to run it the way things are and they don't want to end up like being like boxing. But I will say there is a lesson that they should take from boxing. And this recently just happened with the heavyweight division with Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder where that was the hottest thing going it was a huge huge fight and both of those guys were undefeated top of the world and they kept stringing it along and they and, and so you could even take it to the same thing with the heavyweights where you kept stringing it along and you look Deontay ended up I think making the more savvy move because he ended up fighting Tyson Fury but don't forget that that first fight did not do that great uh for a a a a fight of that magnitude because Tyson Fury was kind of just coming out of the woodwork the mainstream kind of forgot about him so I think if you were a boxing hardcore you're like man this is going to be an amazing fight uh this is a really cool story all that type of stuff but it didn't generate that kind of buzz really until the fight was over because of the way it ended with Deontay Wilder uh nearly knocking Tyson Fury out him getting up like the Undertaker that's really what made that fight famous, uh, more so than that fight actually going into it. And then the next time around, they did okay. They didn't do a, they didn't crack a million buys. Um, and it, I think general consensus would have been if AJ and Deontay Wilder would have fought, you know, at the peak of their powers when they were both really, really steamrolling fools. They were both undefeated. Um, that that fight would have been a bona fide mega mega fight. And now we have. Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua, and it's good. It's 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 uh it's a big time fight. I think especially over there in England, but I still don't feel like it has the same gravitas uh, that 
one, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder did because uh, I just don't think that they're going to get as hostile. I don't think the talking is going to be as good going into it. And um, I don't think as many people are intrigued as what's going to happen because I think a lot of people think that Tyson Fury is the man. So I, I, I say all that to come around to this uh, this John Jones thing because we're at this point right now with John and the UFC being in a stalemate, which they've been in, and they're starting to sway. You can see that that Dana's starting to lay the breadcrumbs for Derek Lewis, Derek Lewis, Derek Lewis. And mind you, I'm a huge Derek Lewis fan. I love I love Derek Lewis. He's you know not only a really entertaining fighter, he's one of the most hilarious personalities in all of the sport. So I'm glad Derek Lewis is going to get a a a shot at Francis Ngannou, and really nothing I think would please me more than they have this fight, and out of all of it, Derek Lewis comes out of it with the heavyweight title. I mean, that would just it would please me to no end to see what the world would be like with heavyweight champion Derek Lewis walking around the the earth. I think that would just be an amazing, amazing thing to happen. But um. You know, it's just, it's not, first of all, for it being, that's the fight to make, he's earned it. Uh, he has earned it. I mean, he's been on a winning streak, and he has a win over the reigning heavyweight champion. But it was one of the worst fights we've ever seen. Just, a, you know, it wasn't entertaining for whatever reason. These two guys who have nuclear bombs in their fists did so much staring at each other the entire time. Herb Dean had to like step in and make them engage. It was just one of the worst fights for the ages. It was terrible. I, part of me doesn't think it's going to be like that this next time around. I think both of them know what went into that last one uh, can't happen again. From I think for both the simple, I think it would just leave a sour taste in the fans' mouth. Um, I think you could explain it away from Francis' side. You know, he's talked about the. The mental block that he's had there but even still it's um it's not something like it, like you can't talk about it in the lead up i think because you have this you know monster champion in francis Ngannou, whose whole image is he's ufc drago he's the most intimidating man on the planet are we going to talk about his you know mental blockage in that fight where he didn't want to engage with Derek lewis i i don't think that's the best selling point and then from Derek's standpoint, it's, uh, you know, wh where do you go with that? Like, why wasn't he, you know, more active? Is it just, you know, the worry of not not engaging with Francis and not wanting to get your head caved in or not getting Alistair Overeem? Perhaps. But the point is, even if it is a warranted fight and a deserving fight, it doesn't make it a fight that fans are necessarily excited for because, we were all already excited for that fight, and it was terrible. It was terrible. So that just be forewarned with that. The second element of this is, well, what if what if Derek Lewis wins? What if he goes out there and he does cave in Francis Ngannou's face? Like I said, I love the idea of Derek Lewis being heavyweight champion of the world. I think it would be awesome. But just on its face, I don't think that John Jones versus Derek Lewis is as big a fight as Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. I don't think it is right now. Then, then listen, th that is me sitting here on April 25th, sitting here talking to you guys uh, from a hotel room in Jacksonville. 
right now, I'm just not at the point where you can tell me that that fight is even close to being as big as John versus Francis. But Francis right now feels like one of the biggest things on the planet. And Derek Lewis doesn't. He's still phenomenal and I think an absolute UFC fan favorite. But I think that Francis right now just has a different aura about him, even with Derek beating him. It's just, you know, it's just it's kind of prisoner of the moment type of stuff. So maybe Derek Lewis goes out there and he absolutely caves Francis's face in. And, you know, then all of a sudden he's the viral superstar, you know, even though he doesn't quite have, you know, the same uh, crazy physique that uh, that that Francis. Although I will say Derek Lewis isn't getting in really, really good shape. Um, You know, Francis. And I'll tell you another thing. And I don't. and, And because of that. I don't know how much that's going to help us uh, get to the point of John and the UFC coming to some kind of harmonious negotiation of uh, of making the fight happen. So um, it'll be interesting. I just think from the UFC standpoint, there's there's a lot of great fights that can be made, um, you know, and, and we're seeing that. You know, a triple title fight this weekend, a couple title fights coming up in a few weeks in Houston. Um, there's a lot of good fights that can be made in the UFC, but there's, there's very few are, are, have the opportunity to be mega fights, especially when they're not Conor McGregor fights. And I feel like it's always best to just, you always think that you you put it off, you put it off, you put it off, and that's going to add an element to the promotion. And honestly, to a degree as a guy who covers the sport, it almost becomes annoying. Like if you so much, you would just like to have, this is the fight we want to see announce the fight and if they were to just do it that way um i just feel like it would you, you buy a lot with your fans um uh, and, and and the thing that people always turn to is oh well, look at you know floyd mayweather versus manny was bigger than ever and that's always the place where people go lean on and you're like yeah but those guys were two bona fide stars by themselves john jones is not that francis and is not that yet so I, I always kind of scoff at that idea of, oh, we could just put it off, put it off, because Manny and Floyd, that, like, you know, Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford are going through this in boxing right now. Oh, we put it off and put it off. And now it's just kind of the point where we're, we're sick of talking about it. You know, stop, stop, stop telling us one thing and doing another and stop blaming this side and blaming this side. You guys haven't made the fight happen. Same thing happened with uh, Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua. What happened? They both ended up getting knocked out and the fight's not as, and, and, and we'll never have that, the, that, that fight buzz again so i just think that things are so perfect right now we still don't know what john jones at heavyweight looks like but what would it be like if he made his debut against you know the scariest guy in the division you know a guy you could put on a poster and he looks like uh he's one of the only people in the sport that looks scarier than john jones does from a physique standpoint what would happen if you put that fight together just if you announced it on the pay-per-view tonight it would be amazing um so and again that's not to that's not to disrespect Derek Lewis I'm a huge Derek Lewis fan I love Derek Lewis but we've been there we've done that and it was a, it wasn't a great performance and and I do think that that's going to be something that you know I'll be I'm still going to watch Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou when it happens and it sounds like it's a more of a when than if but it, you're not going to have that same level of excitement that you did when they first fought because of what happened. It's it's just impossible to forget. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, speaking of heavyweight boxing, we are going to talk to longtime heavyweight contender Chris the Nightmare Ariola. He is going to be taking on Andrew Ruiz 
in next week's pay-per-view on Fox, so you guys can check that out. And I think you guys will really enjoy our conversation with the Nightmare, Chris Ariola. back after this. Welcome back, guys. Tobin's Fight Show here on 790. The Going to switch over here to the Sweet Science. Got ourselves a great pay-per-view card coming up next week on May 1st. It is Andy Ruiz taking on Chris Ariola, and it's I'm looking forward to this one. This should be a, a fun card, especially for Andy Ruiz, as he is trying to uh, re-solidify himself as a contender. A lot of people laughing at Andy Ruiz after he uh, lost the way that he did in the uh, in the fight to Andy Joshua. You know, look, Andrew Ruiz didn't put up the uh, the greatest performance, that's for sure. But I will say that um, he didn't get knocked out, which is uh, which I, I I I think is one of the criticisms I, I really have of, of AJ because it, it felt like he uh, had a guy there, at Andy Ruiz, who didn't train, didn't really try, uh, and wasn't able to put him away. So I, I don't know if you want to put that on AJ, you want to put that on Andy, but it could have been a lot worse, I guess is what I could say, uh, for a guy who definitely is looked upon as having one of the all-time upsets in heavyweight boxing and boxing history. Um, really made became an overnight sensation and had a lot of stuff coming to him. Now he's a lot of people are making a lot about his physique. He looks great. He, he looks refocused. He's training with Canelo, Eddie Reynoso, uh, that entire crew over there. So will this reinvigorate him? Will this get him to a, uh, a new place in his career? Uh, simultaneously, he's going to, pay, to be taking on Chris Ariola. And Chris Ariola has been in the game forever. I mean, I remember watching Chris Ariola like on Boxing After Dark. Come on up. He's 40 years old now. And, and Chris Ariola at one time was was you know looked upon as like the Andy Ruiz is uh, uh, the uh, and and even more so a guy who's probably thought of that it was going to be more the Anthony Joshua side like he was going to be um, the next big thing and and is you know kind of been at the top of fighting every top guy he lost to Vitaly Klitschko he, he lost to Deontay Wilder but always kind of rallies in between those title fights to put himself in position to be in these big fights and so got a chance to speak with Chris Ariola this week. And get a chance to get his uh, see where his mind's at, see where his head's at, going into this upcoming fight against Andrew Ruiz. So here's our conversation with the nightmare, Chris Ariola. Very excited to talk to our next guest. This man is going to be fighting. He is headlining May first against Andrew Ruiz. It's Chris Ariola. He is joining us here on the program. Chris, thank you so much for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for waiting, man. I know it's been a long day. No, I'm sure it's been a long day for you, man. Media workouts, all these obligations. You're a vet of the sport. Like this, uh, the, these uh, these whole showcases that you go out, what do you do to try and make yourself uh, look the best in these workouts? Like is there still a, a part of you that wants to go out there and, and put on that good show for the media and, and get them all hyped up for the fight? You know, the crazy thing is that I just do exactly what we do while we're working. I don't sugarcoat it. I just go out and work and just do the same shit I do every day. I don't need to be do extra or anything like that. This is me. And this is what we do every day for three hours here at the uh, uh, Ten Goose Boxing Gym. So this upcoming matchup against Andy, um, you know, listening to you in the lead up to this fight, you've talked about you still have the, that goal of becoming heavyweight champion of the world. This is the man who's beaten the man. What do you think this, this would mean for you beating a guy like Andy? You know, um, it puts me right in the right in the title shot. It puts me right in the talks of the title, the uh, title contenders. It also cements me as one of the best Mexican American heavyweights of all time, basically, because I'm gonna beat the man that beat the man, and uh, I'm I'm lucky, I'm fortunate to be a big heavyweight. I'm fortunate that my dad made me a fighter. I'm fortunate that he cared enough to take me to the gym when I didn't want to go. 
what is uh what is this weekend you're on the you're on the 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 few days before Cinco de Mayo and being on a card like this you know being from Southern California and all that what is the like the buzz going to be like uh going into something like this the parties that I'm sure people are going to have wanting to watch you all the people gathering around to watch you like could you uh, paint a picture to to our audience what that's going to mean for you know the family the friends that you you have around there you know what to be honest with you I just the best way to describe it is like a May Day kind of kind of a Mayweather kind of weekend. You know, it's it's always been a Mayweather weekend for the longest I can remember. And now it's me and Andy. Me and Andy are going to be the barbecue. Me and Andy are going to be the ones that people are talking about. And it's kind of mind blowing. But I've been here before, you know, and I've been on both sides. I've been on the uh, side that people are watching and I've been on the side where I'm watching and I'm having the barbecue and I'm having everybody over and, and enjoying it. You know, it's crazy that boxing is such a, a, a people, it's, it's for the people. It brings camaraderie. It brings uh, people that you haven't seen in a long time together, you know, just to share a memory of a boxing fight, of a knockout or whatever it is. So boxing's been around my family since I can remember the black bags days. Remember that when you had to go to the neighbor's house because you had a black box and you get to watch the fight for free. So that's the kind of thing that I remember. Yeah, well, no, nobody do that for this fight for for Chris. Just go. Yeah, yeah, don't do pay, that, man. pay your money for this fight. The black box is outdated. <laughs> you know, it's it's you, you, and people are paying for streaming on it as as it goes. Anyway, let's go and uh, and, and buy this fight up. So um, a lot's been made of Andy you know, going and training in, in the Canelo camp, you've made your own little switch over to Joe Goosen. How, how has that been for you? A guy who's, you know, been in the sport as long as you, um, what was it like getting, I guess, a fresh set of eyes and hands on you for this camp? You know, the crazy thing is that like <clears throat> Joe's not reinventing the wheel. He's not doing nothing different. The main thing that he does is that make sure that the wheel's round. He's making sure that basically meaning that he's making sure that your hands are up that you move your head, that he's there. He's there. He makes you work every round that you're training. So that's, that's, I love it. I love it. I love working, you know, and I love having eyes on me because I will slack off. I'm the first one to tell you, you know, you, you turn your head on me, I'm going to hit the bag just enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the truth, you know, and one thing about Joe, he's there. He's next to you. He's working with you. He's making sure that you're doing everything right. You know, I think Eddie Reynoso is probably doing the same thing with Andy, and that calls for a great fight. You know, a great fight, a battle of wills, battle of attrition, a battle of the training camp also, because not, he doesn't only have Reynoso. He also has the great Canelo helping him out. You know what I mean? But it's all right. You know, at the end of the day, it's just going to be me and Andy in the ring. Reynoso can't go in there with them. Canelo can't go in there with them. Valdez can't go in there with them. Or Ryan Garcia can't go in there with them. It's just going to be me and Andy. What, what do you think is the secret sauce, uh, Chris, for you staying so relevant for so long in your boxing career? What do you think it is, you know, 40 years old, that's, that's, a, that's a, an incredibly hard career to keep being this successful and being on stages like this at this age. What do you think has been the thing that's kept you uh, afloat and, wanting, and people continuing to want to tune into you? I love what I do, plain and simple. But that's the easy, easy answer is that I love what I do. I'm, I'm very fortunate that I'm hard-headed. I really don't care what people think. I'm going to keep fighting if I can't keep fighting. An elite level. And if 
And if I taper down and if I suck in a fight, I will gladly walk away from it. You know, I don't want to disrespect the sport at all. I love what I do and I love the sport. And I have a lot of fortitude. And I'm a hard-headed dude. I don't even know how I can still be coherent. You know what I mean? I can still talk and you could still understand me. I'm a lucky dude. That being said, you know, hard work. There's no shortcut for hard work. How much uh, How much did you watch, uh, I guess, Andy's performance in the two championship fights with Anthony Joshua? How much do you think is going to matter going to the fight with you? What do you think you can take away from that? You know, the second the second fight, I get nothing out of it because Andy really, he just showed up. You know what I mean? It didn't even seem like he even trained. You know, the first fight, you got a lot out of it. You know, you could get like how he's fast with his hands and how he counters and stuff like that. Also, the fight with him and a uh, um, guy from Australia, I forget his name. But uh, yeah, those are the fights that I really get something out of. Not the fight, not the last Joshua fight. The last Joshua fight was Joshua versus the guy that he thought he was going to get the first fight. And like you said, this one will put you uh, in the mix if you if you get this victory coming up on May 1st. The title looks like eventually we're going to get the announcement. I don't know when the hell it's going to happen. It feels like it's kicked down. The, the can's kicked every week on Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. But we're going to have an undisputed guy if they do end up squaring up. Who do you think comes out on top of that? And, uh, and who do you see yourself possibly fighting if you get this victory against Andrew Ruiz? In all honesty, I, I see Fury. I see Fury winning. I see Fury knocking him out. I think Fury has more dog in him. He has more, he's a lot more hungrier than him. Not to say that Joshua is, and I'm not, I don't know him. I can't say nothing about him. But when we're talking about someone like Fury, Fury's the man because he comes from humble beginnings. And I've always said, you know, it's, it's hard to get up when you have silk sheets. It's hard to get up when you don't have, when you don't have to get up. You know what I mean? You know, you could stay down. You could just easily just stay down. You get knocked down, just stay down. Like, eh, it. This is this, eh, whatever. I don't need this. You know, um, someone like Fury, he looks like he needs it. He needs it. Not that he needs it, but inside his heart, he needs it. Chris Ariola, he's going to be fighting Andrew Ruiz coming up May 1st, live on pay-per-view. As you said, uh, it's a great thing to come together, have a barbecue, watch this fight together, watch some great boxing between you and Andy. What is your go-to fight night food, uh, Chris Ariola? Before we get you out of here, what is uh, the go-to thing that people have to have or Chris Ariola has to have on a fight night when he's at a, at a fight party? Oh, at a fight party? I was like, about it. I thought no, 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 no. Was- I mean, when you when you get to relax and enjoy, <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to worry about making money that night. Yeah, um, carne asada and some and oh. some uh, uh, models, modelos. That's uh, that's the way to go, man. Hey, good luck. Uh, best best of luck, best of health going into this thing, and uh, we'll be watching. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your time, man. All right, take care. Thanks again to Chris Ariola for the time. More Tobin's Fight Show coming up after this. Welcome back to Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Thanks again to Chris Ariola for giving us some time this week. Uh, really looking forward to the pay-per-view next week. Got a chance to speak with a couple of undercard fighters from this. Uh, Javier Molina. He will be first up on the show as we spoke to Javier. He's getting ready to take on Jesus Ramos, which uh, is a, a young up-and-coming hungry lion. We've had Jesus on the show before. 
Uh, this is the other side of it. Javier is 31 years old. They're feeding them the young, to, to the young line. This is supposed to just be a step of a competition. Well, we'll see what Javier has to say about that. Let's see what he's got to say about just being the, uh, the, the, the old vet who's supposed to be a stepping stone for the young phenom. Our conversation with Javier Molina right now. This man, Javier Molina, he is going to be taking on Jesus Ramos. And Javier, I am looking forward to it. This is a stacked card. You're right before Cinco de Mayo. You guys, uh, you got to be you got to be pumped to be on something this uh, this stacked up for the uh, the hardcore boxing fan to check out. Yeah, definitely, man. Every time there's there's fights right there, at the it's the Dignity Health Sports Park now. There's always fireworks. So definitely excited to start off the night, the pay-per-view card. Um, and to see the main event, I know both of them, Andy Ruiz and Arriola. So I mean, um, expect fireworks that night. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a really cool thing and, and and a great event that they put together, man. So, uh, just how are you at this point? Just in the in the point of camp, you're about you know ten days out now. Like, do you wind down? Is this is there one final tune up? Like, where do you where are you at as a as a veteran of the sport? You know, where 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 are you at at this stage of camp? Yeah, I mean, we're we're already closing, almost closing the camp off. Um, I had my last sparring on Friday. I just finished sparring right now, just a few minutes ago. I'm just I'm right here outside of the gym, but uh, yeah, next week, I mean, just tone it down. Uh, my weight's good already. I'm fighting this one at 147, so weight's no issue. So I mean, uh, just get all the kinks out next week, and then uh, put on a show on Saturday night. You're taking on a and a very young individual who people think of highly in the sport. Um, what do you think getting ready for this? Has he not seen that you're going to be able to bring to the table because you have much more experience under your belt? Yeah, most definitely. Look, I, I, um, he's a, he's a good fighter, uh, but he's never faced anybody in my class. Um, he has a, he has a good record. He's, he's done what he's supposed to do with the guys he's, he's faced. Uh, but I think, um, he's going to see, he's going he's gonna to see a lot, a lot of different things in that when he's in, in the ring with me, he said, he's been sparring some elite fighters, but it's completely different sparring than a, an actual fight. But um, I think we, we've seen um, a few of his fights. Um, I think we're going to be able to expose a lot of his mistakes, and I'm excited to, to showcase my talent. You know, you've been, you've been a, a great fighter for such a long time. You're an Olympian. You came up in a family of boxing. But do you remember that, uh, you know, they talk about, like, in the NBA, like this welcome to the NBA moment. Was there, like, a time, Javier, where you had, like, a welcome to pro boxing moment where you were just like, oh, my God, this is completely different i have to find a different level to dig down and get through this and you you knew that you were you weren't steamrolling folks anymore like you had to had to get uh to dig a little deeper and find another level in yourself yeah well, actually um i made it harder for myself coming up starting off my career um uh i wasn't the most disciplined fighter you would say uh coming up so i wasn't taking these a lot of these fights too serious so uh, even when i had my first defeat i i went in there way too confident i, I barely even trained i remember when i was sparring i was getting I was exhausted by like the fourth round. It was a ten, it was an eight round fight, I believe, eight or ten round. I think it was eight or ten round fight. But when I went in there, the guy went in there longer than I expected, and I ended up getting tired. But I think my 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 career panned out different. But I mean, I, I take fully blame. Uh, but I'm here now. I mean, I had a tough loss in my last fight, so this is a, a one of the fights that the type of fight I was looking for looking forward to. Uh, uh, thanks to to everybody that made this happen. Um, I got I'm getting this opportunity to to be able to redeem myself. If you want to say, um, like I said, I had a I had a good little streak going. I had uh, well, like I was like on a five, four, five, five win streak since the loss uh, to Jamal James. Um, but I mean, unfortunately, I had a, a bad loss against Pedraza in my last fight. But I mean, it's it's, it's all a learning experience. He's he's a veteran in the game. He's a two-time world champ, um, and he took advantage of a lot of my mistakes that night. Uh, but I'm here. I mean, just been getting better in the gym and excited to to show the world uh, what I've been doing. 
Now, like I said, you were you were an Olympian back in 2008. Um, you know, we have some guys down here locally. They wanted to train for the Olympics down here in Miami, and pandemic kind of uh, diverted it. Some guys decided to go uh, pro, and some decided to continue to pursue because the games got moved. How did you like that experience? Like, what do you think that did? Uh, I guess for your career, getting that that opportunity, because like I said, some decided to go pro and divert off and, and start getting paid to fight, and some still wanted that that that. Uh, prestige of being an Olympian and representing your country. So what did that mean to you? And, and why, why do you think it was beneficial for your career? Yeah, well, being an Olympian, I mean, uh, that was my goal since I was a little kid. Uh, when I was in the gym, I, I was in the same gym as, I don't know if you know, Francisco Bojado, Panchito Bojado. He went on, he was on the, uh, the 2000 Olympic team for Mexico. So when he went, I mean, I, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be an Olympian. And I was the youngest member on the 2008 Olympic team, I was 17 when I qualified. I beat Danny Garcia in the Olympic trials in the finals to make the USA team. I mean, it was all, I mean, it's something I'm never going to forget. Even walking out in the, the opening ceremony with all the elite, um, the the everybody from the U.S., I walked out with with Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, with all them. I, I mean, with all the elite athletes, we're staying in the Olympic Village. Everything in there is free. We're staying with their, all, the, all the athletes from around the world. Um, and I was only 18 at the time. Uh, when the Olympics, but um, I mean, something I'm never gonna forget. But as, as far as with my career, I feel like I was such, I was so young, and that's and that's the only time they did that uh, where all the Olympians had to stay in Colorado Springs for the whole year. So I stayed out there, and then um, a lot of times I was out there partying instead of focusing on what I had to do. And I mean, it showed. It showed. Uh, um, I think starting off my my career, that's why, like I, I said, uh, my pro career didn't pan out the way it should. But I'm here now. I'm, I'm 31 years old. I've got a good five years left in me and um, take full advantage of, of these opportunities that come to me. They always say, yeah, is that, so that Olympic village, that thing's wild. Like, is it as, uh, as wild as they say it is when you're, especially when you're done with your event, like I got to imagine it gets, uh, people are really cutting loose with as much as you guys train for that. Oh, for, yeah, really it is. Um, it's crazy though, because they have every building for all the athletes. And then you can see like when in the beginning with the opening ceremony, I mean, everybody's like, so like focused on their events. And once it, uh, once uh, the events start, uh, well, some sports, uh, they start finishing. You can just see the difference and just the vibes. But and then everything in there is free. I mean, you got McDonald's that's free. You got Snickers. I would get my backpack and I'll fill them up with chicken nuggets, Snickers, Powerades, and I'll go outside and take it to my family. Like man, I was taking full advantage of everything. I think I gained like twenty pounds after my after I lost. That's awesome. <laughs> everything in there free. Man, you got everything. That's all they man. Did you did you get to hobnob with like any of the NBA stars? Like, did you get to see, meet, or or have any interaction with like, a guy like a Kobe Bryant or a Dwayne Wade who's beloved down here? Yeah, we actually took pictures with them, but they were the they were the only ones. They went for a little bit to the village, but they were the only ones that didn't they didn't let us stay in the village. I guess because everybody was like trying to take pictures with them, they didn't let them rest. So they were staying in another. They're the only athletes um, out of all the all the Olympians that had to stay in another building outside of the village. They wanted to stay, but what I did, I got to take pictures with with Chris Paul, with Kobe Bryant, with Dwayne Wade. I got to take pictures with all of them. I mean. Uh, it was, a, I mean, it was a cool experience. Something I'm never gonna forget. I was, I was only 18 years old. That being around all these elite athletes, they actually, even when we were training in the boxing gym, um, Dwight Howard and Kobe Bryant went to the boxing gym where we we're training at, and they started training a little bit. That's pretty cool. But yeah, it was, yeah, it's pretty surreal. Are you, is that, are you an NBA fan? Like, did that, uh, did that like mean something to you seeing a guy like uh, Kobe? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. I'm a Kobe Bryant, a Kobe Bryant fan. Everybody, even Dwight Howard, like, even the way he was with us. Um, I would see him, I was like, man, and then uh, I remember I ran into him at the food court, and he seen me, he's like, hey, what's up, and I turned around, like, what's he talking to me? But then I was like, oh, like, what's up? He was like, he was real cool. But, so it was just, I mean, something like that. That's why I went back home, like, hey, Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard said, what's up to me? <laughs> 
Uh, so Javier, like, bro, you're 31, man. Like, this is this is not a. You got plenty of of boxing that's still in front of you. So what yeah. do you, what do you think a, a win this week against the guys? You know, the, you know what it is like. This is the young gun. They're they're highly touted. But if you you know show show them what's what, and and you show them that listen, you still have a long way to come, young fellow. What do you think a win will do for you? Like, what do you want this to launch into for the rest of your career? I mean, obviously, uh, it's a big step forward. Um, um, I, I'm willing to fight anybody at 147, 140 pounds, so whatever the next move they want to make, um, I'm willing to take any of those those fights. Like, I'm 31. I've been in this game for a long time since I was 19 years old in the pro pro ranks, and um, I started fighting since I was 78 years old. So this is this is my life. This is what I've been doing. Um, but I'm willing to, to face anybody. Uh, it's not, this isn't the first time I've been in this position where where they have me as a B side. Actually, my last four fights, count this was a B, I'm gonna be I'm B side. You know, when I went there with Okada, I was a B-side, and I got him out of the first round. When I fought at Miri Mom, I was a B-side. I beat him, you know, on his decision. Uh, so, I mean, this isn't this is the first time I've been in this position, but uh, it doesn't change anything. I'm in the gym just focusing on what I have to do and uh, take care of business on Saturday. Well, check him out. May 1st, it's a, it's a hell of a card. You guys can check out Javier Molina taking on Jesus Ramos. You also got, you got yourself uh, Andrew Ruiz. He is taking on Chris Ariola in the main event. It's a, it's a stack sack card uh, that Fox PBC is putting on. Uh, go buy the fight. Javier, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. We'll close things out here. Omar Figueroa, he is taking on Abel Ramos on that same card. Here's our conversation with Omar Figueroa before his next bout. Omar, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right, man. So, I saw I saw you on your media day. Uh, how much do you rock with the uh, with the Spurs? Like, how how hardcore is this uh, this fandom? Because I saw you rocking the uh, the Spurs hat. How how much does this run deep? I love the Spurs, man. They're they're my team. They're from South Texas, you know. So I grew up with the with the Spurs. So yeah, I mean they're they're my team you, for sure. So you like them even though against the Miami Heat in 2014 that that Greg Popovich was rigging the AC. And 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 making the Heat sweat it out and giving LeBron James cramps and the whole deal. You're you're okay with that championship. It does not have an asterisk in your mind. I mean, when when you're involved in in sports like that, accidents happen, especially with the South Texas Heat. So it's not my fault. He could. I mean, he literally moved to Miami and is in a team called the Heat, and he couldn't handle the Heat. So what is? How is that the Spurs' fault? I mean, it's it's their building. What do you mean? How is it their fault? Accidents happen. You got and, and that building. You've had bats in there, snakes in other people's locker rooms. Like they got a, they got a. It's a, a Texas. Oh, that's oh, that's that's just another day in Texas. Just all kinds of wild it's creatures. Just, it's like when you see a, a giant snake in Australia, you're not going to complain about it. It's, you're in Australia. I can relate with that down here. We have uh, allig- <laughs> alligators are like squirrels down here. It's. Uh, yeah. It's it's how it is, man. So you know you're coming off a fight, uh, first time in a couple of years. Uh, you know I heard you mention how much this has done wonders for your body, getting a chance to rest up. So I guess just give us an, you know give uh, our audience an insight, like how good do you feel as opposed to the last time you were in the ring physically? I mean the the difference is astronomical. It's not even comparable, honestly. I I'm getting to train this time. Last time I didn't. You know, I mean the, at least you know, training because of, I had injured hands. So we weren't really doing much of anything. I wasn't really hitting any bags. I wasn't doing mitts. I was barely even sparring. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, how do you, how do you prepare for a race? If you're a, if you're a marathon runner and you have hurt legs, you know, it's, it just, it just makes everything more complicated. With this one with Abel, what about him? Do you look at this match and say, this is how I'm going to go beat him? 
I haven't even looked at Abel. Really? Not at all. I don't need to. It's been all you. Just focus well, on yourself. Well, that's the thing. I've been the problem. You know, my body's been the problem for me all this time. It hasn't been my opponents. It's been me not being able to get myself right. You know, that's why I was having so many struggles with the weight also because I wasn't able to do hits. I wasn't able to spar. I wasn't able to train, really. So the weight was having to come off, like, in different ways, which was it was just making everything more complicated. Like I said, I got here back in March, early March, and I was weighing 154 when some somewhere around there so i mean i've just been maintaining i've been getting stronger i've been eating you know it's just night and day the difference well man we're looking forward to the show coming up on may 1st go buy it on pay-per-view check out omar figaro he's gonna be taking on abel ramos on the chris Ariola versus andy ruiz card thanks for the time my friend i really appreciate it all right thank you have a great day thanks again to omar for giving us some time this week Wish we got more time with him. It's just uh, scheduling conflicts happen, training days, media days, everything kind of got jumbled up. So hopefully we'll get more time with Omar down the line. But uh, I thought he was great even in the time that we had. So good luck to him. Good luck to everybody on this pay-per-view coming up next week. Uh, Premier Box Champions, Fox Pay-Per-View, Andrew Rees, Chris Ariola. Go check that one out. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into the program this week, and we'll talk to you next week.